Thank you for joining us for today's message. We're always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email to amen at imtheexchange.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at imtheexchange.com. Doing this will help us to bless others and bring messages to you each week. Today's message is from our lead pastor, Pastor Jared Brooks. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. One more time for all the moms. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to read uh, a special passage, and uh, I think you can, you can find pretty quickly where I'm going here. You know, it was really difficult to pull me away from the irresistible stuff that we've been talking about, and, uh, but if there's anything that I think could stand alone on a day like today, it's honoring our moms and uh, taking a moment to just say thank you to the special people in our lives. And uh, so I want to read this passage from 2 Timothy chapter number 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. If not, we'll put it up here on the Sky Bible for you. But it says this. This is Paul in his address to Timothy. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To, this is who he's writing to, Timothy, my dear son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father of Christ, Jesus, our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I miss you, Timothy, so bad. I think about you every single day, every single night. I pray for you all the time. I can't wait till we can see each other again. And I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I, am remi- I remind you to fan the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Father, we thank you so, so very much for, uh, for today one, God, just to honor you, to come into your house and, and, and just worship you and lift up your name, God, and to join with our brothers and, and sisters in Christ, God, to build one another up. And so we thank you so much for that. And we also thank you, God, that this is a day that we've marked on our calendars to, to slow down for just a minute and say thank you to some of the most special uh, people in all of our lives, and that is our moms, God. And so this this morning, Father, we ask that your uh, special blessing, God, your your hands, your love be upon them. Father, we just thank you so much, God, and we just give you all the praise and glory and honor. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. This is going to be a short message if you'll amen me. Okay. Because if you want to beat the other people to the restaurants, I can get us out of here in no time, okay? 
But if you're quiet, thank you. But if you're quiet, I start getting all nervous and antsy, and I'll just, I'll just sit here for a while. Amen? All right, so we're listening. We just read this passage, and we're listening to this message from Paul, the teacher, from Paul, the pastor, from Paul, the evangelist, from Paul, the missionary, and he's writing this message to Timothy. Now, Paul is the mentor to many, 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 many people, okay? There's a lot of people who looked up to Paul and listened to Paul's messages, but in this passage, he's writing to a close friend of his named Timothy. Now, Timothy is going through some stuff right now. Anybody ever gone through some stuff? Timothy's going through some stuff. He's actually trying to lead a church in Ephesus. And, and before, when, when they first went on their missionary, the first missionary journey together, Paul and Timothy, uh, Timothy set back and Paul took the lead, okay? Anytime there was conflict, anytime there was issues, anytime there was a fight, anytime there was all that kind of stuff that happens in churches, not this church, but other churches, uh, Timothy would let Paul step in and take the lead. Now, Timothy is solo, and he's got a mess on his hands with this church. And so Paul's writing Timothy to build him up, to encourage him, to, to give him instruction. And so we learn a lot of things as Paul's talking to Timothy. Paul writes a lot of things about Timothy in, in a lot of his letters, and I'm going to give you some examples of some things that Paul says about Timothy and how awesome Timothy is. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says that Timothy is sensitive. Sensitive. Okay? He's a sensitive man, and, and I say that in the most masculine, uh, most, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, positive sense of the word, okay? Not sensitive like he, you know, he cries all the time, and he's a big baby or whatever, but he's, he's really in touch with that. And Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 19. He says, Timothy has a good conscience. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, verse 17, Paul says he's faithful to the Lord, really faithful to the Lord. Now, you got to remember, as Paul's saying these things, if there was somebody in the Bible that I would like to commend me for some good things I did, Paul would be at the top of my list. I would like it from him, okay? I don't need Judas, like, praising me for something, okay? So, Paul says this in Acts chapter 19, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Philippians chapter 2, Paul says... I trust Timothy to take over for me and to carry on my work, okay? Paul trusted him. He believed in Timothy to carry on his work. Now, if you've ever started anything, if you've ever had anything that was your baby, you're really, really particular about who you let come in and kind of take over, right? And, and Paul's saying, listen, I trust this guy. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says he takes a genuine interest in people. In that same passage, Paul writes, I have no one else like him. Wow. To me, that's the, the greatest compliment. I have no one else like him. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, in 1 Timothy at the beginning, and 2 Timothy at the beginning, Paul calls him my son. 
That's how he addresses him. He looks at Timothy as a spiritual son. This is someone that I have imparted to. I've poured my life into. And Paul looks at him as a son. So these are big, big praises. Now, none of these characteristics are necessarily going to be written on a resume. But I'm saying it this way. Timothy is a solid, genuine, authentic man of integrity, character, and faith. Can we all agree? Right now, if you can't agree with me, then I need to back up and read all that stuff again. I'm, I'm telling you, Paul's saying, Timothy's a guy that we can, we can count on. We can put money in the bank on this guy right here. And In other words, moms and dads, Timothy's the kind of guy you would actually be okay letting date your daughter. Okay? Now, some of you dads struggle with that. Trust me, they're going to date worse. <laughs> This guy's the one we want them dating, okay? This guy's the one that we want to put our stock into. Timothy was a star. He was a superstar. He was a class act. And we ask this question, how did he get this way? Acts chapter 16 tells us everything that we know, and it's at the beginning of Acts chapter 16. It tells us everything that we know about Timothy's family. It says this. It says, Timothy's mom was a Jew, and his dad, she married a Gentile. That's really what we know. To us, that's not a big deal. His mom was Jew, his dad was Gentile, no big deal. Back then, this was a huge deal. Now, if you've been listening to anything we've been teaching throughout this year, you can understand the difference between a Jew and a Gentile. And when those two come together as one and get married and they have a kid, this is not good, Okay? And so this didn't happen in ancient times. This was not good. And so then he also, Paul writes this. He says that his mother, I mean, Luke writes this in Acts. He says his mother was a Jew and she was a believer. She had faith in Jesus. Now, a lot of scholars believe that maybe his dad didn't. We don't know exactly. It doesn't really say yes or no. We just know that he was a Gentile. And during this time period, there was a transition that Gentiles were just now starting to really come into the kingdom. So most scholars believe that his dad wasn't a believer. And this is important to know because we, we want to understand the text that we opened with. Paul tells us that Timothy's mom, Eunice, was a believer, and she was a woman of faith. So we need to understand, and you need to take note, that if there's anyone here today, especially ladies, if there's any ladies here today that has a husband or a boyfriend or there's a man in your life who's disinterested in having a relationship with God, don't fret it yet. Vice versa, men, if you're in here this morning and, and you're married to, to someone or you have a girlfriend who's disinterested in a relationship with God, don't worry about it right now because the, we see through this story that Timothy was impacted through the faith of a single parent. He was impacted through the faith of one parent. That's pretty powerful. God worked and can work through any family situation. Through any situation, there's no uh, prescribed way that he works. He can redeem and touch a life in any scenario. In our text for today, Paul says this. He, sa he describes Timothy's faith as being sincere. He says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith. Other translations use the word 
genuine. One translation used the word authentic. I have been reminded of your genuine, your sincere, your authentic, your real faith. Timothy's faith wasn't learned from books. It wasn't just facts. Timothy's faith wasn't acquired by memorization. He wasn't just smart. Timothy's faith, what, what faith wasn't something that he did out of habit, out of routine. Timothy's faith was sincere. It was genuine. It was who he was. His faith wasn't a show. It wasn't a demonstration. It wasn't an act that he performed to look good or to make himself feel good. It was who Timothy was on, on Monday and on Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was who Timothy was. This was the kind of man that he was around his friends. He was this man of character, man of faith, man of integrity. Around those people that didn't know him, he stayed the exact same. This was who Timothy was. He was constant. And again, I ask, how did this happen? How does a child born into a family with mixed and contrasting beliefs and practices regarding religion come to be a person so critical to the work of God in this world. Think about that. I mean, the Gentiles have a whole past history of their own beliefs, their own gods. The Jews have a whole nother set of rules they play by. Somehow, this kid is born. We don't know exactly what kind of relationship he had with his dad. We don't know uh, if his dad was around much. We don't know if his uh, whatever. But we can, we can probably assume, based on the time period and based on relationships back then, that his dad was probably around. And so he's got this, this family with two different sets of belief systems that they lived their entire lives come together, and yet one of them really stands out, and he's influenced by one. And, and he becomes a critical part of the kingdom of God based on this one impacting parent. Paul tells us not completely, but he points out and indicates some factors that led Timothy to becoming the man that he was. In verse 5, again, he says this. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, I am convinced that now it lives in you. It lives in you. Paul indicates that God used a mom and a grandmother in a very, very significant way, not to determine a child's faith, but to influence it. Okay? They didn't make him. This is not what Paul's saying. They make him believe this way, but it first lived in them, and it influenced his faith. Timothy's sincere faith came not by accident. It grew initially not through the work of his local church, but Timothy's sincere and genuine faith came as a direct result through the direct influence of his mother Eunice and his grandmother, Lois. Three generations. His grandmother, Lois. His mother, Eunice. 
and then Timothy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded it now lives in you. See, Paul is writing and he's understanding. He's, the, re, the reason he writes these things are on purpose, okay? None of this stuff was just jotted down, just whatever. I'm going to throw some things together and then eventually we're going to all put it together. And we're going to call it the Bible or whatever. We're going to put it in hands of people and they're just going to say it all over the world. This was written on purpose and on purpose, Paul is telling us that I saw it in your, in your mom and your grandma and I'm convinced it now lives in you. Though he often, Paul was accused occasionally of being a hard, tough man. He was in, accused occasionally of being mean-spirited early in his ministry towards women in ministry. But take note, Paul is not a male chauvinist. He knows and he understands that this man who has worked beside him in ministry for the cause of Christ was first pointed in this direction by his mom Eunice and by his grandmother Lois. Paul gets that. Mothers here today, take note. Dads, pay attention. The faith that you long for in your children and in your grandchildren have to grow in you first. It has to live in you first. Listen, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived. Everybody say first lived. First lived. It first lived. This is Paul. He's talking to Timothy. He's like, look, I'm reminded. I, I remember this faith, this, this unbelievable faith that you had, this powerful, powerful faith that you had. And and it first lived in your grandmother. I remember it being in Lois. And, and I am reminded that it, it also first lived in your mother. And now it lives in you. Listen, and, and I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to all the people that's not here this morning, okay? So this is not to you. But I'm just saying that if we wonder why our kids aren't interested in God... And you wonder why your kids aren't interested in church. I had someone tell me not too long ago, and they don't attend this church. They were like, yeah, my kids just aren't interested in the church thing. As if they're like, they're, they were shocked that their kids aren't interested in the church thing. Whatever that means. And I was like, wow, you know, that's sad. That, that's my response. What I wanted to say was, well, they're not interested because you're not interested. You know? If you're not interested, then they're not going to be interested. We look at God as like 911, okay? We don't call him to have a relationship with him. We just call him in emergencies, right? And that's what 911 is. You're not supposed to call and hang out on the line. You just call when you really need something, when you really need someone to talk to you. See, listen, and because of that, nine times out of ten, when we're not interested, they're not interested, if it's not important to us, it's not going to be important to them. And so they will be what they see modeled in me. Think about that. That's how I try. I try my best to live my life. Not just on my faith, but in almost every area of my life. When it comes to work ethic, when it comes to decisions, when it comes to my relationship with Shelly. 
when it comes to how I respond to them and how I treat them, how I discipline them, how I love them, and then, of course, my faith, how I view Jesus, how I view God, how I view the Bible, how I view coming together on Sundays and worshiping with my brothers and sisters. See, what they see in me, what they see modeled in me, it's going to shape and form them. It's called influence. Timothy's faith, his sincere, genuine faith, first lived. It first had its origins in his grandmother. They demonstrated it. It was incarnated. It, they lived a life of faith. And Timothy saw that modeled. He saw that lived out. Parents, again, this is just for online people. It's not for you. But it is not the church's role. It is not the church's responsibility to raise your children in the faith. Okay? And if you believe that that's the church's role, then you're really misunderstanding. I'm not saying you're a bad person. Uh, you're just misunderstanding the church's role. The church gets to talk to your kids maybe two hours a week. If they go to youth with, with Pastor Dylan Kelsey, then maybe a total of four hours a week that we get them out of the 168 hours of the week that are available. So those two or four hours that, that we're able to impact or impart anything, that's not enough to genuinely influence them. Their influence comes from somewhere else. I have this saying, you know, we, we own a couple daycares and uh, kids will do stuff in the daycare and they'll do stuff. And I, I mean, sometimes my chin's on the ground. I'm, some of the things that I've seen, heard, watched that have taken place by a two, three, four-year-old just blows my mind. And I always say this, they learned it from somewhere. I'm not saying the mom and dad taught them that, but I'm just saying kids didn't just create what I just saw. They didn't just all of a sudden make that up. That was a learned behavior. Somebody influenced that. When it comes to the house of God, when it comes to church like this, and when I say house of God, I know you're the temple, but I'm, I'm let, just appease me for a minute. When it comes to coming here to worship together, it's really not our responsibility. Our role is to come alongside of you and reinforce the things that you're already instilling into them to build a foundation so that you, the primary influencer in their life, can shape and can mold and can raise up and can lead and guide these impressionable children into the men and women that God has called them to be. Amen? Amen? How many believe your kids are called by God? Whoo, you better get a chance. I'm start calling names. I'll start calling. Some of you are like, no. Uh -uh. <laughs> you should have saw him this morning. <laughs> Listen, every one of your children are called by God. They are called for full-time ministry. Do you know that? Some of you, how many of you believe you're called into full-time ministry? Everybody raise your hands. I don't want to call anybody out, so I'm not going to look right now. 
Listen, you are called by God into full-time ministry as life. It's what we do. I didn't say you're called into full-time ministry as a vocation. It's what you do for work and money. I didn't say that. But what you do for life, it's just who we are. As children of God, as believers, we are called to just spread the good news, spread the gospel, share the gospel, and build the kingdom of God, and manifest the kingdom of God right here on this planet. That's what we're supposed to do. Full-time, all the time. That's our role. That's our job. And I believe that my kids have the same job, same role. And so I am job training my children. I'm preparing my children for the full-time call of God that is currently on their life that they don't even understand. They don't even get how am I training them, the way I talk to them, the way I love them, the way I apologize to them, the way I lead them. Moms. The most influential person in a child's life, number one, typically, is the mom. Most influence comes from the mother. So consequently, moms and dads desiring to influence and impact your kids and grandkids in the way of Jesus, I ask you this. What are you doing to grow your faith? So if we're the biggest influence, if we have the greatest impact in our kids' life, if they, if they follow us, then, then we might have a responsibility to grow, to be the best we can be, to know and learn and, and grow in our faith. That's my job. I don't want to cap out somewhere and, and my kids cap out because I, I stopped growing, that I stopped understanding, that I stopped studying who God called me to be. So what are you doing to grow your faith? What efforts are you taking and making to be the person that your kids long to be? So fast forward 100 years from now when we all die. Some of you are going to live forever, I know. Let's pretend that you didn't make it all the way. What are they going to say at your funeral? When you're gone, what are they going to say? Have you ever thought about that? I know that's kind of a gory thought maybe to some, but I've thought about it a lot, what my kids might say. Uh, I've thought of some funny ones too. I've got some good ones. No telling what part. Don't give Parker a microphone unless he's old, 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 but... I've thought of a lot of things that my kids will say, and I've thought of a lot of things I hope they say. Moms, have you thought about that? What your kids would say about you? God forbid you, you weren't around any longer and, and they were able to reflect. Up to this point right, right now, this point right now, what would they say? What would they say about mom? Do your kids see you loving people? unconditionally, unilaterally, just crazy love for people like we've been talking about over the last couple months that, that Jesus modeled and Jesus taught to us? Do your grandchildren and your kids have to wait for you as you're always talking and lifting someone up? Are your kids always going, come on, come on, let's go, while you're always trying to build somebody up, lift somebody up? What songs do you hear your kids singing and declaring? 
What are they saying? What are they speaking? You, we sang a song this morning um, called Prophesy, and I heard this song months ago. Uh, uh, I downloaded an album, and this song was on the album, and I thought, man, this song says things, and I'm just going to try to remember the words, but he says, um, I speak to all my conditions. I take the authority you want from me. The word of the Lord in my mouth to bring about the change. Full of your power, I step out and I declare aloud your name. I prophesy. I prophesy. I started playing that song in my truck and I told both my little ones. I was like, start singing this, memorize this song. And they're like, you know, I crank it up as loud as it goes. We're just blasting. We're rocking out. And, I try, and they're singing it. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is powerful. I'm telling Shelly, listen to them sing this song. And I'm making them sing it over and over. I want my kids declaring that. That's what I want them to sing. Not shut up and dance with me. I'm like, what song do you want to sing? Peyton's like, shut up and dance. I'm like, shut up and sing prophesy. I don't say that. I don't say that. I don't say that. That'd be rude. But do you, you get what I'm saying? There, there are things that I want them singing and declaring over their life. Yesterday, we were on our way home, and I said, uh, y'all just going to have to forgive me, okay? You're going to have to forgive me. Don't judge me. But Shelly got out of the car. She had to run in and grab something. And I said, hey, what do you want to listen to? You want to listen to little Mike Jack? Michael Jackson, for those of you, it's code Mike Jack. And uh, I was a Mike Jack fan. And they're like, yeah, mommy's not in the car. Mommy don't like Mike Jack. And I was like, I know. That's why I'm playing it. <laughs> and so we're playing uh, um, PYT, Pretty Young Thing. And we're singing and stuff. And, and mom gets in the car. And Peyton said, uh, put on Shut Up and Dance. And I was like, okay. I said, well, how about Daddy picks out a song? And you know what Peyton said to me? She said, you're gonna, I know what song you're going to pick out. You're going to pick out that church song that we sing. Uh-huh, that's right. What song and what, what did I start looking for? Prophesy. Because that's the song I want my kids declaring over their life. I am an influencer in my kid's life. You don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it. But I know that I am. Moms, you're an influencer. Dads, you're an influencer in your kid's life. One of my friends, I read his Facebook the other day, and he said this. He wrote this on his Facebook. He said, uh, I was volunteering at the food bank today, and a mom showed up with her six-year-old daughter and younger child. She asked if they could drop off some food. I said, absolutely. So they started unloading tons of food from the car. Turns out this little girl just turned six. And for her birthday, she asked not that her friends bring presents, but instead food to donate to the food bank. And now they're getting to deliver it to us. He continued and he wrote this. He said, now is this natural for a six-year-old to want to do this? Is it natural for a typical six-year-old to say, no presents, just food that I can give away to people who need it? And he said, where did she learn this? How is she aware that people don't have food? And then he wrote this. I'm guessing her mom. That's what he said. 
Now, this was a few weeks ago that I read this, and I had to dig back and find it, so this wasn't a great Mother's Day story or whatever. But I thought, that is so appropriate. That's, this is what Paul is trying to say about Timothy. How did you come to know all this stuff? Did you, how, how are you so awesome? I mean, I talked about your conscience. I talked about your loyalty, your faith in God. I talked about the fact that when I leave this ministry, you're the one I want to take it. I talked about the fact that I don't have anybody in the world like you. You're the best of the best of the best. How did you come to be this kind of person? I'm reminded that I saw it first lived in your grandma, and then I saw it modeled and lived And your mom, Eunice, and now I see it living inside of you. There was something that was modeled from your grandma and your mom that I now see in you. Moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, that which we long to see and mature in our children and our grandchildren must first live in you. Thank you for that one, amen, Ian. I appreciate it. It has to first live in you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul tells us something else that caused Timothy to become the person that he became as an adult. He says, but as for you, you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those things from who you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, listen, I understand that you have learned a lot of things. You remember those things because you remember who you learned it from. You have been influenced and learned these things from somebody. And not only that, but since you were an infant, since you were a child, you have been taught The Holy Scriptures is what he's saying. And there's something that has been imparted into you. Your mama and your grandma, maybe others, made it their mission. They made it a point. They took time and they chose to be involved in certain matters of your life. And this one that I'm preaching about happens to be your faith. You got this faith because somebody imparted it to you. As a toddler, as a boy, as an infant, the Holy Scriptures, why? And he's telling him, he says, you learn these Holy Scriptures and they make you wise. Because Paul says this. We're taught in Psalm 119, it says this. To hide the Scripture within us, digest it, come to know it. When you hide that thing deep inside of you, what it does is it helps keep you pure. And our tendencies to sin, our tendencies to fail, our tendencies to screw up and drop ourselves down uh, tend to weaken when we stand on that, when we hide some of those promises. So parents, start young. Start young. If, if, if your kids are older, it's never actually too late to start. But start speaking these things. Teach them the things that Paul wrote. Read to them how John saw and viewed Jesus. Teach them the amazing things that Luke came to understand when he was investigating so that he could write the book of Luke and the book of Acts. 
well, Pastor Jared, to be honest with you, I just don't know enough about the Bible myself to teach it. Well, start studying it together. Start studying it with them. Be faithful. One, be faithful to church because we've been talking a lot about the Bible and understanding the Bible and how to read it and how to to decipher what it's saying. Declare the promises over your kids, not just while they're sleeping, but remind them face to face that all things are possible through God, that they are more than conquerors through Jesus, that they are sons and daughters of Christ, and that nothing can separate them from the love of God. Those are good promises to declare over your kids, right? Tell them the stories. And as you journey in your understanding of what it really means to be a new covenant believer, teach them as well. Take them on this journey. Give your kids roots that will anchor them for years. At Nahum National Park and the Visitor Center, there's a display. And I was going to try to find a picture of it, and I just now remembered that I forgot to do that. But uh, there's a display of a pine tree, a certain pine tree. And next to the example of the tree, there's a description. And it says this, that during the first five years of the life of this pine tree, it grows one foot above ground. And it shows a picture. The first five years, that's how big it grows. It seems a little uh, boring, whatever. But it says this, during those five years, the roots grow four to six feet. So for the first five years, you don't see a ton of growth. But the roots that you can't see, four to six feet. Childhood and the growing up years, it's tough, right? It's tough. Children get blown off course easily, and they're easily deceived with a lot of false teachings of who God is. And so they grow up with this fear, this crazy fear of God, this unhealthy fear of God. But we got to give them roots. We've got to give them roots and teach them the truth of what the gospel is and have them learn to apply that to their lives as children. Timothy became the man he was due to the godly influence of his mama and his grandmama. Paul says it first lived in your grandma, and then I saw it lived in your mom, and now I'm convinced and persuaded that it lives in you. This is a guy who had a lot of influence in the kingdom of God. Okay? He was a direct disciple of Paul. So, so everything that Paul was teaching and preaching and sharing, Timothy is echoing this. No telling, no telling how many people he really truly impacted. No, no telling how many people he actually set free with this powerful gospel message that he was preaching. Another thing that that Timothy's mom did um, that we could learn from is she let him go. She trusted him in, in the God's hands. We know that on Paul's second missionary journey, journey, Timothy was able to go with him. Mama didn't stop and go, no, 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 no. You got to stay close to home. You can't leave me. 
she just blessed him. He went on. He went on this journey. Man, the number of people that they were able to touch is countless. And it all really, Paul shows us that it really began with the influence of his grandma and his mom. What a powerful, powerful influence. I was just thinking about we influence our kids every day. Uh, not always good. Not in healthy things. But we, we have tons and tons of influence in our kids' life. I was thinking this week, that is scary. <laughs> that is scary. I have so much influence. My kids love me so much. My wife has so much influence over our kids. They love her so much. So I started thinking about what all we've influenced them in. The good and the bad. But my goal, my heart, is that the most influential thing that I ever impart to them is Jesus is faith I hope that someone can look at them one day and say man I saw this faith first modeled in your mom in your dad I saw it modeled they lived it out I saw your mama Shelly live this faith out and I will see it in you and then I hope that my kids are able to see it in their kids. But it's our influence to give. So I want you to know, moms, first and foremost, you are loved. Crazy, crazy loved. Now, you don't hear it all the time. I don't know if your kids ever throw temper tantrums. I doubt it just mine it's just my kids that ever throw fits because I, I imagine everybody else's kids are perfect mine unfortunately came out weird they they throw fits sometimes and they have problems sometimes and and I've heard Parker say I don't like you and man that happens and three four minutes later he's crying I love you I didn't mean to say that I like he does not want to hurt our feelings but they say things and they do things and I watch them mimic us. I watch them respond to each other. I watch them say things and do things. And I just pray that the most influence that we have in their life is the kingdom of God. That we teach them how to read the Bible. How to understand, how to break the Bible down and, and get it. How to let it set us free. I pray that they see Jesus in a way that they never, ever, ever could have imagined. And that it sets them free. And I pray that over you and I pray that over your family. So moms, just know this. Your kids love you so much. Even when they don't act like it. They do. They do. And besides that, this church, we love you. 
we would not make it without our moms in this church. Moms, you know, dads, you're great, but moms, man, you get them there, you, you pack them, you load their stuff, you fill out their applications to camps, and you get them checked in the kids' church. I don't see a lot of dads carrying their kids back there. There's a few. But there's a lot of things that you moms do, and you make this church strong. And I appreciate it. As a pastor, I want to say I love you, moms. We appreciate you so much. Who you are and what you seek blesses our lives. So moms, we love you and thank you. I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now. And if you're here with, with uh, your mom or if mom's here, if you'll just join hands with the mama close to you, She'll come up here. I just want to pray over all of our moms this morning. And just pray a blessing over you. Um, I know sometimes you can get discouraged and you can get tired and worn out. Uh, don't become weary in doing good. Hang on. For in due season... In due season, and if you study out Timothy, it's later on down the years, it's not real recent, but later on through the years, you'll see that Lois and Eunice, they receive a huge blessing from the life that Timothy begins to live. So your blessing's coming, Mama. You just hang on. Amen? Father, I thank you so much for all the moms that are in this place um, this morning, God, for all the moms that are watching online, God, for my mom, and I thank you so much for the life that I was given, the, the parents that I grew up with, God, and, and I'm so fortunate and so blessed to have an incredible influence over who I am today. Not only by my natural mom, but spiritual moms that I've had throughout my life who were always there to just pour into me or to encourage me or to lift me up. So, Father, I thank you today for all the, the moms that are in this place, natural and the spiritual moms. The moms who have uh, spiritual sons and daughters that they encourage and that they pray for and that they build up and that they've taught and they've influenced, they've imparted to. And so I pray right now, Jesus, God, that, that today you'll really bless every mom. God, that you'll lift them up, that you'll remind them first and foremost the importance that they are to you, the importance that they carry in the kingdom, and the importance that they carry right in their own household. So, Father, I thank you for all the moms. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for the mother of, of my kids. God, and I just honor all the mothers today. And we say thank you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. One more time, we give all the moms a big hand this morning.